Welcome to Season 2 of the Practicing Presence Podcast, where spiritual formation is fueled through a variety of practices rather than a single prescriptive time of devotion, where we discuss different spiritual practices that help us be more present with God, others, and ourselves. What's going on, practitioners? What's up, friends? How are we doing? Hope y'all are doing well. We are going to continue our conversation about self-love and self-image and this general idea But today, we're talking about how original sin and total depravity have impacted the view of yourself. Yeah, this is not going to... I don't know that this is going to be a super relevant episode to everybody. But to the people that know those words, this may be extremely helpful. Because I know me... Right, this is a series on self-love as divine love. That that loving yourself is an expression of loving divinity because you are made in the image and likeness of God and you reflect the qualities of God. You are loved by God. Yeah. And so, if that's the case, then there's a version of Christianity. This is the way I communicate it. There's a version of Christianity that prioritizes the antagonist of the Christian story as sin rather than death. Mm-hmm. That's a grave mistake. Yeah. That is a grave mistake. Um, because then if you prioritize sin, it's easy to turn against a human. Whereas because you can have a different sin, you can act a way I don't like and I can call it sin. Right. But if you say the common enemy is death, then every human is impacted by the same common enemy. Mm. It joins you together. You know, John Stewart has this great bit on one of LeBron James' episodes of The Shop. He says, humans are tribal by nature. And so we'll always cling to a people group that are like us in order to fight a common enemy. He's like, we've seen it around religion, we've seen it around politics, we've seen it around all kinds of stuff. He says, the only way in which we would ever stop fighting each other is if we had an alien invasion. Because then we would say, oh, humans are in trouble. We would begin to view everybody the same. In the same way, if the Christian story, if the antagonist is sin, you will pick certain people over other people because you will view certain sins as worse than others. Right. And if sin is your enemy, then you're judging people based off sin. If death is your enemy and you're judging people based off death, then your only judgment is whether or not they're causing death because everyone is experiencing death. Yeah. That's what total depravity should mean. Total depravity should mean, in in the way it started was Genesis 3. When sin enters the world, when Adam and Eve eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, when that happens, God restructures the world because the world is now broken. God said this cannot happen and the world is now broken and must be restructured. When God restructures it, God issues four curses. A curse to the man, a curse to the woman, a curse to the serpent, and a curse to the ground. All of existence 
has now been impacted by the effects of sin and are now going to experience death. Right. Something that none of it had ever experienced before. Yeah. Okay. If that's the case, that death had never entered into the world, and now everything is experiencing death, then the total depravity element, the effects of sin element, Mm -hmm. should be that everything is dying. Right. Not that everything is depraved, that there is no goodness left in anything. Yeah. Which that's the problem. Where original sin comes from is original sin is actually rooted into a guy named Augustine. Okay? So I'm going to do a little bit of church history here for a minute. Augustine is a patristic author. He's a Western theologian. He also uh, writes the Confessions. Lots of people call him St. Augustine. But he had this idea of total depravity. And he's kind of, if you were going to ask a super reformed person, who's like the father of your movement, they're going to say Augustine. Augustine's the father of the reform movement. And Augustine had this idea of original sin. And what he did is he connected original sin, which I think, I mean, I think this is a fine way to think about it if you want. Um, But kind of a broken system at the same time i think um because then you well anyways before i get into the reasons it's a broken system augustine had this idea that um when adam sinned and those curses are issued that because adam's person was impacted that any person that adam fathered was going to have the effects of sin. Right. And so they were totally depraved. They no longer had this. And that was the whole deal of restoration in the pursuit of Jesus was to return to your image of God. Right. reason I think it's a broken metaphor is like you you don't look any different. Right. Yeah, like it's all hyper-spiritualized in that way. Um, and so, but Augustine connects it to Paul at times. Like sin entered the world through one man. Right. And through one man, death, you know, and go on. Um, Paul has that in Romans. And so Augustine links these two things together and says, hey, original sin, total depravity is where it goes, right? Total depravity is the T, if you've ever been around the five points of Calvinism. um, The T, it's called the tulip, and the T stands for total depravity. And so... Anyone that was around a reform tradition and has left um, probably doesn't have great things to say about their understanding of total depravity. Yeah. Unfortunately, in a lot of really unhealthy churches, it's used as a shame tactic. It really is. It's used as a way to manipulate people into conformity, into acting and looking the way the rest of the people around here do or what we think of the worldview. And if you don't like it, a very common thing to do is to just say, well, you're less holy than me. Mm-hmm. Right? This is a very big problem. Um, more depraved than me, right? Whatever. There are lots of ways to do this. But it's all shame-based. Yeah. 
which, and this is a problem. I have a real problem with any religious doctrine that induces shame. Correct. Because shame is the thing we're told we shouldn't experience. Three things Genesis 3 or Genesis 1 through 3 told us about the existence of humans. The three things that we're not supposed to experience, sin, death, and shame. Genesis 2 tells us the man and woman were naked and unashamed. Right. Genesis 3 tells us that after they sin, the first thing they do is cover their nakedness yeah. because they feel shame. Sin, death, shame. Not things we're supposed to be about. Um, and yet, in a fight against sin, and yeah, I'm doing air quotes on purpose this time, they've chosen to shame people. Clayton, did you experience any of this? You grew up in some Reformed traditions. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it's a very common thing. I mean, when you grow up in Reformed traditions, especially like with heavy emphasis on Calvinism, you're constantly reminded that you're a piece of shit. <laughs> like, it, it, it is a fundamental piece of their theology that humanity is broken and terrible and they remind you of that to tell you that you need jesus to no longer be terrible well and i think for me the part that frustrates me frustrates me is they're the ones that tell you what's terrible right exactly um, you don't get to choose what that this whole like what might be sin for one may not be for another thing that we get from yeah that Paul. don't like, exist that does not exist sin is universal yeah that does not exist in reformed traditions and they will happily shame people over their sins mm -hmm. um, or what they view oh. as sin. And so what ends up happening is you can only tell someone that they're a piece of shit over and over and over and over and over again. Until they believe it. Until they start to believe it. Yeah. And so people genuinely begin to believe that they are a piece of shit human being, mm -hmm. and that there is zero goodness within them, yeah. except what the Holy Spirit, who has endowed them, yep. is now reproducing out of them because of their faithfulness to the message of Jesus. Mm. That is the most broken system of viewing God, because that means you're only good because God made you good. Yeah, It's like... No, all of this is so broken. And so people just really begin to feel like pieces of shit. And it becomes a central part of your identity, especially when you connect it to your faith and therefore your salvation. Well, yes. And this is a this is a conversation for a different part of this series. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm no, yeah. you're exactly right. Yeah, yeah. I'm about to take it somewhere. Because of this, because of these very truths, yeah. the shame related to purity culture in young women exists. Mm. It's these exact same things yep. that it's original sin and her connection to her virginity being her value and her worth. Her purity is her value and her worth. Correct. All of it. This, this conversation made a way for that to be possible. <clears throat> Absolutely. Because it's also all shame-induced, right? You got to divorce Jesus. Yeah, you have to divorce Jesus. You got to take the ring off. You got to divorce Jesus if you don't. If you have sex, yeah, 
Because Jesus no longer loves you if you commit adultery. Clearly. Um, oh, my God. It's, it's oh ridiculous. God. Yes. It, it's, all, it's all terrible shame-based. So it, it is another form of this like fear-based kind of tactic. If we can't scare them into heaven, we're going to make them feel like feel bad enough that they need it. We're going to shame them into it. We're going to give them a theological system from a book that we tell them they can't understand unless they go to seminary or they work at a church. Mm -hmm. But we're also going to tell them to read it all the time so that they can ask us questions mm -hmm. so that we can answer them. Yeah, so that we can perpetuate one narrative. Correct. Yeah. Which, just I was thinking about this earlier, real funny that this kind of idea is one of the things that Martin Luther was trying to fight in the Reformation. <laughs> like, let, let's not forget about that. Bro, history repeats itself. It always does. Yeah. It always repeats itself. And so the way in which it brings us to a conversation for today is um, if you've been around Wellhouse very long, you can easily spot that we would be like a church for people that are deconstructing their faith. Um, and trying to think about things differently, and they're trying to correct harmful narratives uh, because they're trying to heal from religious trauma yep. uh, is honestly what it is. Uh, a lot of people are around here trying to heal from Christian nationalism. Um, anyways, and because I pastor a church deconstructing people, I naturally hang out with deconstructing people. And two of my very good friends are pastoring a church of deconstructing people. I hear a lot of people that are deconstructing their faith talk about this problem. Of like total depravity affecting your self-image. Well, if they have the theological understandings right. to say those things, they do. And yes, that's a very common conversation that I yeah. have. Um, I actually had this conversation with my best friend, who you know, oh. not too long ago. Interesting. Uh, like a week and a half ago. Very interesting. But... This also is a very common deal, even amongst people that can't have that conversation, just in that, I don't know why God would love me. Mm. They've already ingrained in themselves that they're so broken that they need some kind of redemption. Yeah. And we're going to feel that, right? There's going to be conviction. When we do things wrong, we are all divinity. We are all people of divinity. We have divinity literally in us. Yeah. Every single human does. And so naturally you're going to have the conviction of divinity because you're made in the image and likeness of God. Yeah. That likeness to pursue God is always going to be there. And the conviction against the things you do that are not like God are also going to be there. Yeah, it's true. But they are so trained to believe when they feel that way that they are broken. And that they're bad. That they are bad. That they, as an existence, are bad. I grew up feeling like I came from evil. Like, at, at a very fundamental level, that was, that was the essential piece of, of my salvation. I came from evil. I needed good for restoration. You were dog shit headed down to dog shit hell, mm -hmm. and God scooped a pile of dog shit. You were ha you happened to be included in that pile of dog shit that God scooped up, and you were elevated, redeemed to some level um, of glorified dog shit. Yeah, and until I found Calvinism, and then I thought that I was special because I was the elect. 
Yeah, but you were still <laughs> dog shit. Oh, you I were was just, still dog shit. You were just special because you made it on the shovel. No, 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 no. I like he specifically picked up this one piece of dog oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Christian nationalism, people. God out here. So you're telling me you thought God out here hand selecting dog shit. <laughs> that is sure how Calvinists talk about it. It is. It is. They, I mean, will, like, they will be the first ones to tell you that you're that you're a terrible human being, and yet God chose to save you. They, yeah. They, before you were made in the womb, God predestined you to be saved. They they connect you to the need of God. By saying that you are a piece of shit who needs to go through some sort of like fire pressing thing to become a diamond on the other side. Yeah. Which is when just, they use those metaphors. They use those metaphors. Maybe they don't use shit. They talk about it as coal, but like still that's a thing in Proverbs, right? Talking about the the refiner's fire. Like oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's a thing that they use. But they don't talk about it as coal going through a refinement. They talk about it as like a you're a piece of shit now, and you will be a piece of shit until you die and go to heaven and get your new body. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's it, and that's why it's escapist theology is because mm. you got to go to heaven to leave this piece of shit mm. that I, that, has that been I am that I now that embody. I am, which also means. Why well, never need to come back down? This is why yeah. it's so common to have rapture theology because mm. I don't need any of this. All this is terrible. All of this is corrupted. All of this is bad. All of this is evil. God's going to destroy all this anyway, so it's unimportant. Which is just not the way the New Testament viewed the world. Absolutely not. It's not the way the New Testament views the world. It's damn sure not the way the book of Revelation views the world. You know, there's not very many things I can confidently tell you about that book. Here's what I can tell you about that book. It was written that that... That work is written to seven unique churches in the ancient world. They are listed in the first four chapters of that book. There are certain specific messages given to each of them. And then there's a lot of really, really whack apocalyptic writings that looks like a man who was praying for days and tripping on LSD and writing all that shit down. Bro, and, it, and at the <laughs> end of it, and at the end of it, here's what I know. At the tripping end on of LSD. All, tripping on LSD. And at the end of it, here's what I know. That man who the spiritual fathers, the people who made the canon, decided that book needed to be the culminating book in our scriptures. And that book ends with God in a renewed Heaven and earth united together back the way it was supposed to be in Genesis 1 with a lot of improvements. Mm -hmm. With the most improvements that that known world could know, yeah. that they could fathom. Do you think it talked about skyscrapers and internet and Bitcoin? No, Bitcoin. because it didn't know those things could exist. Yeah. But what it did reflect is that the most immaculate beauty and peace and expression that you could muster. The end of the book was telling us that that shit was going to be happening here in this world that we were told was so bad. Mm. No, friends, this world and you are intimately good. There are effects from the original sin that have impacted our existence as humans collectively into that we are all born into a story of death. 
and we should all be collectively fighting that story of death. But no, original sin and total depravity do not mean that you as a human being are totally depraved. You are, as a human being are totally beloved. Thanks for listening to the Practicing Presence podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoyed the episode. It's free and it helps us immensely. Also, feel free to check out our other podcasts.